Well, hello, hello, and welcome to the Miss Independence podcast. My name is Abby, and I'm going to be the host of this podcast, and I am just so excited for you guys to be joining along this podcast in my journey. I'm so excited to connect with each and every one of you and hear your stories and trials and tribulations about your journey with disability and chronic illness. In this episode, I plan to talk about my journey with disability and chronic illness, as well as talk about where I see this podcast and platform going. I think that having a general idea about what this is going to look like is going to be such a great foundational episode, and I'm really looking forward to sharing my experience. But before we get started, I just want to do a few housekeeping things. Um, So first off, I think that I'm going to release this podcast on a weekly basis. I think that having a consistent release date really just helps connect with your audience. And I really want you guys to feel like you have a consistent space to come to for support. With that, I feel that releasing this episode in the middle of the week, I plan on releasing it on a Wednesday, is really going to be beneficial for you guys to come and know what day you're getting support and when to come listen to this podcast. So that is kind of my plan um, for that. And I'm really excited about this. Uh, so with that being said, I also want to give a shout out to Anchor Podcast for hosting this episode, as well as Bozeman Media Design for creating my podcast art. I am so thankful for both of you guys and helping me along my journey. So like I've said in the trailer, if you guys listen to that, I really want this podcast to be all a, a holistic in approach in regards to having a disability or chronic illness for young women. I feel that we cannot talk about women empowerment without addressing a large portion of that population's struggles, and that includes having a disability or chronic illness. So I think that having a safe place to talk about a wide variety of topics is just going to be so amazing. And I am really looking forward to seeing where this podcast goes. Well, without further ado, I think I'm going to jump into what my journey with a disability and chronic illness is like. And I just want to give a little bit of a caveat. Sometimes I tend to talk fast. Uh, Switching, I'm more used to writing than I am to speaking in terms of sharing my story. So in doing this, this is kind of a new journey for me as well. And I just want you guys to know that sometimes I talk fast. So if I do, uh, just know that I am cognizant of that and I'm working towards being able to talk so you guys can understand me. That being said, just let me know in the comments if this is a little too fast and I will continue to work on it. So my disability, I have two main, I was born with two main disabilities at birth. I was diagnosed Uh, in the womb when my mom was about six months. My uh, main disabilities are hydrocephalus and esophageal atresia, which is like a really hard word to say. So I'm going to talk about the hydrocephalus first. Uh, My hydrocephalus is, for those of you who don't know, you could also think of it as water on the brain because that is literally what it is, is water on the brain. So what happened is I have an excess amount of cerebral spinal fluid, or CSF, that is built up in my brain. And I have a stint called a shunt that drains the fluid from my brain down into my abdomen and just releases from there. Um, And that just uh, decreases the pressure on my head. I have a um, excess amount of pressure as well. It's called normal 
pressure hydrocephalus, NPH. And there are many different types of hydrocephalus, but that is the one that I have. And just that diagnosis alone can affect many, many different parts of my life. And it really affects the way in which my, uh, you know, I have balance issues, headaches, you know, vision problems, as well as learning disabilities. So it really, the hydrocephalus is really the main disability that I deal with, but it definitely filters into every aspect of my life. So it's been kind of like the main theme. As um, well, I was also born with esophageal atresia, and I actually took took a screenshot of this on uh, Google because I didn't want to get it wrong. But uh, basically, what it is is a birth defect that uh, when the baby um, stomach is forming, it forms improperly, and it does not connect to the um, the tube, your esophagus that connects your mouth to your stomach. In order for the food uh, journey to release is not formed properly. Um, so it's a birth defect for sure. And it affects your swallowing and your ability to absorb nutrients. And that was definitely an issue for me. I had, um, I had swallowing issues. I ended up not being able to eat for a long time. And I had to be fed through a feeding tube or a G-tube. And some of you guys might be um might know what that is, but it basically is like a little pet tube that is inserted to your abdomen that allows you to get uh, formula fed to you like a, you know, baby um, through a tube and then you just pour the formula in. So I had that for the first 16 years of my life because I was unable to gain weight. Um, I was a 49 pound fifth grader. So that, if that gives you an idea of what my journey was like. Um, I was very, very tiny, and we could not figure out why I was not gaining any weight. I was very malnourished, not due to anyone's fault, but just the way my body kind of intakes food and processes it. We also found, um, we also found out that I also had a bunch of uh, allergies that contributed to the mal malnutrition, and I we found out that I was allergic to dairy, eggs, and gluten which are very, very um, important food groups, right? So not being able to absorb the nutrients that I was supposed to definitely contributed to that underweight. Um, and that, you know, with underweight comes fragile with bones and, you know, your muscle. And just, you know, it really affects all areas of your life. Um, so yeah, those are the two main conditions. And I'm definitely going to go more into detail about what that experience is like for sure. But um, with that, because of um, I was born in Montana and because of the severity of my disability, I had to be life flighted from uh, Montana to Seattle. And I spent the first six months of my life in a hospital. And that um, it, during that time, I had many, many, many corrective surgeries to repair my esophagus and uh, also with shunts uh, when, because, you know, those shunts or feeding tubes, they're not technically quote unquote supposed to be in there. So it's like, basically, I like to think of it as like a foreign object that your body's not used to. And so um, with the shunt specifically, we had to have many, many shunt revisions or shunt surgeries, brain surgeries to re- um, correct the shunt and make sure that it was functioning properly. 
So through those six months, I had many, many tests, CAT scans, MRIs, um, surgeries, corrective surgeries. And it was really such a, um, I mean, I was, obviously I was a baby. Um, but, um, you know, from the stories that I hear from my parents and stuff, it was really a stressful time, um, you know, for the family. And um, it can, you know, that can create a lot of stress to have a baby who was born, you know, with a lot of severe birth defects. And I also forgot to mention, I was born six weeks premature. Um, so that, you know, definitely created a lot of stress on, you know, the family. But um, that was just kind of my experience, um, you know, at birth right away. I just spent the first six months of my life in the hospital. I had many, many corrective surgeries. And then I was able to come home. And I think now I kind of want to just talk about what my childhood was like and then um talk about like my family um but basically i like i said i was born with um those two develop uh congenital um abnormalities and um i really wanted to um you know be seen as normal and you know but at the same time like i knew that something was different, you know, because I had a feeding tube. Not many other kids I knew had a feeding tube. Uh, growing up, I can only think of one other individual. It was a classmate of mine's brother who had one. But, um, you know, not very many people had, you know, shunts. Um, I had this thing where I twirl my head, and you obviously can't see it now. But um, that was definitely a distraction for others. But it's just not something that I can control. It's gotten a little bit better, but it's um, just a coping mechanism that I've always dealt with and I don't even know when it started. So I had experiences like that. I had um, occupational therapies and physical therapy I would go to every once in a while, or not every once in a while, I would go to on a, you know, weekly basis, I think. And um, I was in the school resource. So that is um, kind of like a form of the special education program, but it's a smaller class for uh, more learning disabilities. So I would have, um, you know, sessions with them. I was also in speech therapy. Um, I tend to like not be able to pick up on social cues as much as other individuals. And so um, my nonverbal cues aren't that great because I am such an auditory learner. And so it was really um, a combination of all those kinds of activities. You know, and with that, you know, can come a lot of, you know, why am I different? You know, what's, you know, what's happening? All the stress of, and the anxiety of like not knowing. It really can be a very stressful experience. And so that's just kind of, you know, a backdrop um, of the services that I had. Um, speech therapy, the OT, the physical therapy. Um, I did see a therapist. Um, I um, never slept as a kid. I... If my mom had a dollar for every time I woke her up pretty early, I feel like she would be a millionaire. It's just, I never slept late as a kid. I was always up at the crack of dawn. And I feel like now as a college or a post-college student, I'm definitely making up for that. I like love to sleep now, but um, my body could just never shut off. I was always, I was always a hyper kid and had trouble with um, attention and, um, picking up things at a slower rate. So it took me a lot longer to process information and learn a new skill. So I had a lot of, um, you know, things that I had to work on as a child. And it was very, um, 
challenging to say the least. I feel like I had always had a mountain to overcome. And while, you know, I, for those of you though, for those of individuals who know me, I feel like they see this really happy individual on the outside, uh, who always wanted to portray a certain image of being happy and positive about this experience, even though it's not the best experience. Um, so I was really just a happy kid who was always enthusiastic and nice to everyone. Um, but you know, I always in the background or the backdrop had, I knew something else was going on and I would always kind of, you know, tend to hide those emotions, um, which is not good for anyone, but, um, that's just kind of my backdrop as a kid. I, um, was really just a happy, positive kid who had a lot of crap going on in her life that she didn't let her get self down. And I know that that's who's, that's what's, that's who I, wow, I cannot formulate a sentence. Uh, you know, that's what made me who I am today. I'm a very resilient and um, enthusiastic individual, but that has come with a lot of uh, burnout. And I know that, um, you know, our, our experiences definitely impact us, especially as adults, when you can look back. And I think that I, um, just kind of became known as this enthusiastic, happy person. And, you know, that wasn't always the case, but that's who I was expected to show up as. Now, going on to my family, I am one of six siblings and I am number five in the um, order. I have um, an older brother and three older sisters and a younger sister. So um, kind of in the mix of the middle, and I am, um, you know, my birth kind of, you know, was a big, you know, thing that happened in our family. And it was um, definitely a stressful time for anyone who has a child who was born with a disability. And I um, had always kind of felt guilty. And I kind of like still hold on to this guilt that I, you know, somehow disrupted our family or caused all this chaos and whatever. But I think that, uh, you know, through my journey, I've learned that we all have our own journeys. And obviously, it wasn't baby Abby's fault that that happened. So that's just something that I've always kind of um, carried as my badge of honor. If you guys have ever heard what that is, the badge of honor is a little badge that you wear around to um, here, I'm actually gonna look it up. But basically, a badge of honor um, means that um, you know, you're carrying this scenario or meaning that you're giving to some sort of event to, um, as a pride, like I carry this around or I do this or I hold on to this so that I can make sure that I'm feeling bad or what have you about any given situation. And I definitely held on to that for a while. Um, so I kind of felt like that, um, kind of has impacted who I am. I um, tend to over apologize a lot and feel really guilty for things I shouldn't feel guilty about. So that those are things that I'm working on personally to be able to become a better version of myself and realizing that um, none of that was my fault or anything. It's really been an impactful experience. So if that is something that you guys deal with, I really want you guys to just take a second 
And actually, let's just do this together. Um, let's just take a second and think about all the weight that you guys have for maybe a bur- feeling like a burden or feeling like you cause chaos. Whatever beliefs you are carrying, I want you to like sit with them for a second and really feel where you can feel that in your body. And now I want you to release it. So I want us to take a deep breath. And now we're going to release all that. Because that is not yours to carry. And I don't want you guys to feel like you're a burden or something you should be ashamed of your journey. Because that is going to create so much pressure. And I'm speaking from experience. And I don't want you guys to feel like you have this pressure on you because your life is already filled with so many things that you shouldn't have to be dealing with. That is not one of them. So I want you guys, whenever you feel those emotions to really just, you know, do what you have to, to release them. You know, it's important to acknowledge them, but don't let them ruin your life. Um, I think that, you know, whether it's journaling or going to therapy or meditation, really just notice when you're having those thoughts and be able to let them go. Because it's going to be so important for you guys to be able, in order to move along in this journey, you need to unpack certain scenarios and cognitive reframes. Um, anyway, I kind of went off on a tangent, but basically, that's kind of how I felt um, with my family. It's like, I think that I carried that along for my a good portion of my life. And that's definitely something that I've worked to overcome. Um, and I also additionally felt like I didn't compare to my siblings because of my disability. I always, like, I have a sibling who went to West Point. I have um, multiple siblings who have, um, you know, honor roll, high achieving, athletic, beautiful individuals. And we're all, you know, because we are such a big family, our whole, like, town knows us and knows our family and is well aware of our family situation. So I always kind of felt that I didn't measure up with my family and that I was kind of a disappointment um, in regards to, like I said, I may get to start to cry. Um, in regards to um, the talents that I have and the unique abilities or lack thereof, I always felt that I was kind of an outcast. Um, and even though, you know, my family like loves me and they always show conditional love and support, it really has been like, oh my God, like, why can't I do this? Why can't I be that? Why can't I be as intelligent as her or successful or, um, I don't know, just choose whatever, you know, choose whatever word, like, why can't I be that? And one of the things that my siblings and my parents have really kind of tried to instill in me is that everyone has their own strengths. And my siblings, I I have strengths that my siblings don't have. Because of my disability and my experiences, I have skills such as my resilience or my positive attitude or my ability to advocate for myself in certain situations that they might not be able to. I have the ability to do that because of my disability. So it's kind of been, you know, looking at it, like if you guys can imagine a double-edged sword, that's really how it is. It's really about, you know, looking at these experiences, and I'm not saying as like good or bad, but like kind of neutral and accepting them for what they are, because we can't change our circumstances. All we can do is change how we interact with them or how we react to them. And it's really important to not um, let your, uh, to not, 
let your circumstances define who you are, even though they are going to, you have a choice in how they get to define you. You can either take this experience and, you know, it could be a good experience and you can take all the skills and life lessons, everything you're supposed to learn through this experience and let it change you for the better. Or you can throw yourself a pity party every day. And um, just a little side note, um, every once in a while, I do like to throw myself a pity party. I like to like go down in my room and cry. And I have this tendency to like listen to my music all the time. I really like to tune out and um, just kind of, you know, zone out and really just get in my own space. And really just, that's how I cope. Um, I like to spin because um, there's something within my um, neurocognitive thing that um, that spinning motion really helps me, I guess, um, even out my, not balance, like literal physical balance, but like it like helps balance my body and it's just become a coping mechanism. Um, but anyway, anyway, I feel like I just got off on another tangent. But basically, I think that it's just really important to remember to um, take your experiences, good, bad, or better, and really be able to, you know, take them and use them for good. Because we all have a story, no matter if we share a disability or a chronic illness, each one of our stories is going to be different. And you have something unique to share with this world. And I just want you to be able to listen to this podcast and really think about what about your experience and situation is, um, um, what, um, what can you learn from it and what can you inspire in others, uh, through your situation? So yeah, so this has just kind of been my um, experience with that. And I, you know, like I said, my journey has been very unique. And I um, definitely, through my experience, I've definitely gained a lot of skills and resilience and, you know, positive attitude and being able to meet many different individuals has really been uplifting for me. And it's definitely something that I want to um, continue to deal with this platform. And I really hope that, uh, by sharing my experience today, you guys are able to, um, have gained something from this episode. And I really am looking forward to, um, sharing more stories because, uh, this was just a general background, but I have many, 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 many other stories that I would like to share with you guys. And I am so excited to be able to do so. Um, and then, so that, um, so that was just kind of my experience. Um, so thank you. Thank you for listening to the Miss Independent Podcast. I really hope that you could gain something from today's episode. I'm really looking forward to opening up the conversation about disabilities and chronic illness. While we're on here, I just want to make sure I give a shout out to the Anchor app for supporting this episode. I could not do it without you guys. And most importantly, I want to thank you guys for being supportive listeners. I'm really looking forward to this journey and I will see you guys next week.